We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings upon the Prophet. Climb over your headphones. Okay. So we were looking at the very last ayah of the second, third surah which I recite pretty much in every single khutbah, almost or the entirety of my life. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan rajeem. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sbiru wa sabiru wa rabitu wa attaqullah la'allakum tuflihun. Sadaqullah al-yathim. So, I was also going to say, dear brothers and sisters, because I'm so used to saying that in a, in a khutbah. In any case, we spoke about sabr quite a bit. Wa <coughs> rabitu. So, translated a number of different ways in terms of Arabic as well as the history of the of the tradition. So, very often it's "be ready," uh, hold yourselves ready. Um, and then, oh, hold a lot. That's interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, otherwise, very commonly, it's guard your frontiers, guard the community. And so, another point I'd like you to consider as an inflection of a meaning of this word. Remember this whole section, we did a, a section on Allah, a section on the Prophet Peace. This is actually about the community, not directly about you and I or our hearts. And so this particular instruction, dare we call it a command, is not only have sabr, like not only do sabr, not only be a, a, a persevering person, a sabir, but rabitu. So either be ready for action or, uh, what's the word, um, essentially focus on protecting the community. So what I want you to reflect upon are what are some obligations, not necessarily in the sense of farad, but what are some obligations that we should have to the community. You know, the, um, anything. What should be our loyalty to the community? What type of effort we should give? By community, I specifically mean the Muslims. So not necessarily your neighborhood. Like, uh, don't, uh, uh, be, don't cause, try to cause anarchy or, uh -huh. Um, yeah, disrupt the majority. Mm -hmm. This is a, a very foundational notion in terms of uh, Islamic law, that you're seeking not to cause anarchy, you're seeking not to upset things, that the overall philosophy of Islamic law is that you're seeking stability. And on that note, that's why you had all these big scholars in Egypt and Syria lose, in the eyes of the people, their credibility when they spoke against the Arab Spring. Uh, because the accusation was that they were in cahoots with the government, but you could even defend it through a lens of Islamic law, that Islamic law favors stability, that a moment of anarchy is far worse than peaceful oppression in the lens of Islamic law philosophically. Asim and then Dania. I think in a sense, the way you treat the community is similar to the way it should be similar to the way you treat your family as in, mm -hmm. When you're talking to someone external to the community, you sort of speak in fierce defense. Um, but when you are talking within the community, 
you push towards betterment uh, in in sort of all facets and uh, and then also of course the sort of prevailing idea of uh, seeking justice should also be the backdrop of all of this kind of stuff. Okay, Daniel. Uh, I'm. I have kind of a more basic like understanding of how to support the community, but you know, like visiting with them when they're sick, um, helping them if you know they need if they need the help, um, feeding the poor or however we can, um, helping celebrating with them in times of, of joy. I think that's kind of how to uplift the community, at least in my eyes. So that seems very, uh, very much like, you know, they're your family, right? <clears throat> to really make it fun, uh, think of the word umma, root of umma, one of the roots, theoretical roots. Um, your mom, hold on. So yeah, it's, a, it's a pretty much the same thing. It's like your family. So, so you need to treat uh, the community in the same way that you have to be forgiving, foregoing, and be patient with the community. Mm -hmm. And uh, 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 and and uh, so in building this this sort of uh, your temperament, dealing with the community and the issues, then um, which is which could be political or justice related or. Social justice, that sort of thing. Explain your, your point about temperament uh, more. I didn't understand that point. So temperament means like uh, uh, like uh, uh, in 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 the interactions. Uh, so in the interactions with the community, so, and with the uh, with the with the with the composure of that you are foregoing and forgiving and be patient with them. Mm -hmm. So like uh, so your temperament will be like more calm down, like less reactive, more okay, like uh, you know. That's so you got to be like balanced in, in how you're dealing with them and, and yeah. sort of akin to being just with them. Yeah. Asim. Um, I have a question about the idea of stability. Yes. Um, it, like, do you, should stability be sought in all situations? That's um, such a theoretical line or question that the answer would obviously be no, but give me an example. So, so uh, for example, like there have been chaotic moments in the past few years, large scale chaotic moments when it comes to, uh, you know, the spiritual abuse of certain uh, you know, big name speakers and, and teachers and that kind of stuff. This is a thing. Huh? This is a thing in the community? No, I, I, I'm sort of making it up. Um, but I mean, how does that play with the idea of constantly seeking stability, right? In that, like, obviously, I think, you know, I, like, I, I know empirically what your answer is with regards to should we seek, seek stability in, in situations of abuse? Of course, the answer is no. But... Um, how, how does that play? Like, how, how do we reconcile those two things? With yeah. So, so one way to frame it is uh, when we're speaking of seeking stability, at one level, it is indeed in a person's life, right? If someone is coming with a fifty question, uh, there's the textbook answer to the one sentence question. If I say talak 30 times to my wife, is it automatically, and I do it out of anger, is it a divorce? Versus, the 30 minute question which is you know i have a temper problem 
and I said it out of anger and I know I didn't mean it and such and such and such and such and such, different answer, right? So that's a general uh, point to consider in terms of just Islamic law. Then you are looking at, you know, what is the disruption your answer is going to cause into a person's life? And that's just a person with their individual questions. Yeah. And then if it's a community matter, the general principle is removal of harm. Yeah. So for example, philosophically, the stuff that I've worked on, that's been the driving force. It is removal of harm, which is not the same as justice, right? Um, in a community that does not have any coercive authority, we don't have the capability of enacting justice in our community, right? Uh, but harm, we can do. We can do removal of harm. Uh, and so then the question becomes and was in many of these cases, what is the disruption this is going to cause in people's lives, right? If you expose such and such person, what is that going to do to them and their faith? And so it is a consideration. That I mean, most people know me for two cases. I've worked on 40 cases. I mean, probably not 40, but close to 40, right? And in the, all these other cases nobody's heard about, the goal was to figure out, okay, how can we effectively, quietly take care of everything? Yeah. Uh, that those who should know, those who should be informed, which might be the local community, uh, you know, get make sure everything is, is accomplished with minimal disruption. So it is absolutely a thing that's part of, part of these considerations too. Would it be helpful to think about the concept of stability in the realm of uh, administration and governance also like those are elected or you know decided upon figures and then you should um, you know so let them take uh, finish their terms and, and whatnot mm. as opposed to I guess community leaders who are not necessarily administrative or uh, governing mm -hmm. Yeah, this is this is uh, why many of these scholars like Ali Goma and who is the person who was killed by a missile in Syria, uh, Ramadan Bouti, uh, that for a long time they spoke against rising up uh, because the consequence of rising up and overthrowing the government was still not clear, right? And it is said that Ramadan Bouti actually changed his stance and that could be what led to him getting you know hit by his masjid and him getting hit by a missile. Uh, but the, the point being that that's uh, the concern for stability is at all levels. So. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> uh, suicide bomber? I thought it was a missile. Osif? Uh, from what I recall, it was. Um, okay, so. Amaliyatul Istishadiyah. Okay. So. So what else? So one point we're making is that the obligations we have to the community are essentially akin to the obligations we have to extended family. Uh, what else? If we were to prioritize that, so let me let me ask this question. If we look at fundraising, you know, you know, you're in Ramadan because of the sheer amount of fundraising emails. You know you're in the last 10 nights because of the sheer insane amount of communications, right? You know you're on the 27th night. Anyway, so so the point here uh, is that even then, historically, where does the vast majority, where do the vast majority of dollars go in the community? Anybody know? Historically, it's almost like in clear order. Somebody's raised, no, somebody's not raising hand. 
masjid infrastructure. So the building of taxes, the building of the masjid, like the the edifice, and overseas relief, and then everything else, the donations are smaller. So Moro, I don't know like what the situation is in terms of ISBU in terms of fundraising. Um, a lot of people are finally taking different models and such because the ancient model of having a dinner and stuff is wearing everybody out. Awesome. Um, is the focus on the edifice itself like... There's no it, focus on, on human beings. Well, but huh? Meaning very little focus on building human beings. Focus right. On but is that like the idea of like, you know, whoever builds a mosque will get a house built in paradise for oh, them? Absolutely. Yeah. And so like, like, is that then on the sort of masjid board itself to be like, we should probably not emphasize this so that we can. <laughs> I think that's all they know. Well, I shouldn't say it that way, but uh, maybe. <laughs> We are also taught that on Paradise, the one who takes in, uh, takes care of an orphan, what about them? Right. It's just a that's one of the profit, question of emphasis, right? Yeah, I think it's... Uh, uh, I don't know if the students are yelling at me, but okay. Anyway, so there are... If we were to, you know, in a separate class, make a list of the official hadith that inform the community, let's say the 200 hadith that inform the community... Yes, that would be one of them. Not the not the orphan and the prophet are together. You know, the caretaker of the orphan and the prophet will be. Let me say it slowly. Uh, that the one who takes care of an orphan will be my neighbor in paradise. Yeah. That is not one of like the key, the two hundred key hadith of the community. But if you build a house for Allah, He will build a house for you in paradise. That is one of the two hundred primary hadith that inform Islam in America. Absolutely. So it would mean a change in education. Yeah. Kind of like a class like this. Yeah. Awesome. You had a follow-up question? Yeah. Another related question is then why isn't like housing people considered building a house for Allah? Because that takes effort. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know. If, if it was very easy to take care of a foster child, I think a whole lot of people would do it because you get government funding, you know. Uh, but being a parent, especially to someone else's child, especially to a child that's a little bit older, especially to a child who's a little bit older and has lived through trauma, uh, you know, Teslas get a lot more appealing. So, you know, the maintenance of a car. So Isaac says, I thought people didn't do that because of issue of mahram. The mahram is a recent uh, concern that if you have, you know, a uh, boy-girl situation, that's a very, very recent concern. I mean, another excuse is that you're not allowed to adopt kids in Islam. That was uh, also nonsense that was being preached. You have to, the key is you have to keep the father, the father's rights. Okay. So uh, what else? What else are obligations? to the community. Feeding others, I'd say that's definitely there. So, Dosif, what would you say are some obligations? Why are you calling on me, man? Um, burying the dead of the Muslims is one. Okay, sure, yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> giving birth to them too <laughs> and getting them married. That's it's really important because there's a lot of uh, Muslims who uh, don't uh, get proper burials. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so then, are we effectively saying that my obligations to the community are all these big elements of life? If that is the case, then same question I've been raising for everyone to take a look at yourself and ask how many of these things do you do for Muslim strangers? Oh, snap, made it hard. Uh, I will say that our community, at least conceptually, is very strong in one-godedness. Our community is very strong in love for the Prophet, peace be upon him. I think we start failing miserably when it comes to community taking care of the community. And I'm speaking primarily of Islam in America, city Islam, suburban Islam. Asim. Um, is, is there an element of working outside the community to help the community? I will probably say yes, but give me an example, like becoming a physician. Uh, no, not, not a physician necessarily. And I'm, I'm highly personalizing this for myself, but, uh, like working to get people elected who are maybe not Islamophobic and, you know, things like that. Like, um, and that's totally part of it. Yeah. As in that counts as taking care of the community. Yeah. I mean, a point to think about a way to think about this is different people have different skill sets. <laughs> And what you can do to take care of the community is going to be different than the very next person. Now what I want to do is contrast this with a common um, notion in our community that I think for many people is actually poison. Anybody want to explain this to us? If you want to explain to everybody else? The idea of translates to disavowal and loyalty. Okay. So one should uh, be loyal to the Muslim community and disavow um, the disbelievers. Yeah. So there's this notion that your obligation is only for the Muslims, which is the sentiment of a whole lot of people in the community. And I'll editorialize here. I think this is absolute destruction. It comes from a number of ayahs, like, for example, an ayah saying, don't become friends with the Jews and Christians and such like that. They are friends of each other. And, and obviously all these have their own meanings. But the point is that this is a notion that many people have, that your loyalty is not to justice. Your loyalty is to, is to the community. And I think that is 100% wrong uh, in terms of Islam as I understand it. Now, most of you are probably going to agree with me. But anybody want to push back? I'd like someone to push back on why this is an important concept. I have something <laughs> when you said that we as a community are very good or strong in the God. As a concept. Godness or something. Yeah, the oneness. Oneness in the love of the prophet, um, but not in the community. Like, how is how do you understand the dissonance between like having what is the essence of the faith, which is you know the declaration of the shahada, and um, no effect of it? Yeah, I mean, I would say that 
that is also a very common issue in the community. But when I'm speaking of the one goddedness, I don't think you, you're not going to find too many who are worshiping other than Allah mm -hmm. formally. But like it doesn't translate into like this burning iman that makes you grow and stuff. Or, or the um, you know uh, to address our uh, I guess shortcomings or you know needs in the community. Mm -hmm. Like what kind of uh, faith is this? Where I believe in one God but it has no effect on the strength of my community. I think um, that is a sign of, of the lack of Iman in people, mm -hmm. where they have Islam, they're obeying, but it hasn't entered their hearts. So. Mm -hmm. Sarah, Fadlala, and then Tosif. Assalamu alaikum. Wa um, So I would like to say, just because you did ask for pushback, although I do agree with you in justice being more important than necessarily community as a whole, because I think community should get my justice. But um, my one thing that I could see people arguing the opposite is um, the idea of like one of the things you should do in, a, in, in the Ummah is it to um, cause. Um, Ism, so to speak, and I think when, with regard to a lot of, um, a lot of areas of like activism and justice work, there's definitely a difference in opinion on the way that people can address it. So it can kind of like create these like divides between the way people address justice and how to go about it. First, you know, there's always the people of like the keep your head down, just hate it with your heart versus the ones who are much more outgoing and vocal. So kind of causing that gives them because I think sometimes people don't have the right way of maybe going about voicing their opposite opinions on how necessarily to go about things and it causes clashes. So that's something I could see where people would say, no, the community outweighs doing something that could kind of cause this breakdown. Yeah. I think that's a very valid point. You know, um, that uh, <clears throat> the risk is to cause the community to, you know, fall into tatters. I think that's that's an important point. Dosif. Yeah, I was just building off of that in terms of the pushback that you requested. Um, similar point. I, I like how you're all like, well, because you requested it. Uh, <laughs> indulge. Yeah. Truly, truly, that is the reason. Um, but um, if you think about the Muslim community falling into tatters, uh, this concept of wala wal bara is, you know, it's kind of a block against that, right? Because, you, you know, it protects against assimilation. It also goes to the idea of what kind of model of um, community do we want to have? You know, what's going to be successful? What's going to be sustainable? What's going to maintain, um, which, you know, this uh, Islam for the next generations, uh -huh. Right. Um, is it going to be more of a mosque based insular where, you know, this concept is very strong or is it going to what's going to be needed and necessary is something else, mm -hmm. you know, like you have uh, Islamville and you have these other. Um, I tell everybody about Islamville and Islamburg. These are uh, communities that exist, you know, and, and they're they were founded actually by a Pakistani um, Sufi Sheikh uh, Jalal. Jelani. Jelani. And um, 
predominantly African-Americans uh, who converted, established these in North Carolina and I think a few other states. Uh, but they're like um, part of that Sufi Tarika. Um, so these are actual towns, incorporated towns, towns yeah. uh, in, in the East Coast. So one and, is, uh, are you all see it on my screen? Yeah, so it's a literal place in South Carolina. There's another one in like upstate New York, Islamburg. Yeah. Okay, continue, sorry. I was just going to mention how they were also attacked by Islamophobes at one Up point yeah. a few years ago, uh, like bombs and things. People were freaked out, creeping Sharia and all that kind of narrative. Um, so that would be the one pushback, I think, that I would offer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's it's also a very strong point. Yeah, I'm calling it poison. My language is probably too strong. Um, and because I'm thinking of many examples where that was used as a justification for violence. Uh, but for the lay person, it's basically loyalty to to the people. Uh, Dania. The only like pushback I have is maybe just using it as a way to prioritize how we um, or where we put our efforts in. Um, I guess that's the only part yeah. of it where... I mean, it's hard. I'm not like, like all or nothing. I feel like not, there are very few things that are either black or white. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of hard to come up with something for this, but I think like it, it could help prioritize things. Okay. So here's a question for all of you. Suppose uh, your house is on fire and the fire is out of control. You're not going to be able to stop it next to you are two non-Muslim families. Okay. So you're in a like, suburban neighborhood. Next to them, two other non-Muslim families, and then you have two Muslim families. Whom do you inform first? Your neighbor. So far as what's for your neighbor? Daniel just gave this look like this. Daniel's like, yeah, of course, the Muslim. Let the kufar the burn people, up. The people in your house, of course. Okay, I mean, obviously, let's say the people in the house are all safe. Outside the people of your house. I think you got to go with the closest neighbor and just run up the block, too. Like, mm -hmm. you got to go up to who's most in danger. Mm -hmm. So, have <laughs> <laughs> you heard that? You WhatsApp the Muslims, you know, and then tell them anti vax. Anyway, so, so yeah, uh, but many times I've asked this question, and people said the Muslims which just even sounds counterintuitive. If you're going all the way to the Muslim family, you know, then these other families are going to burn. Can you talk a little bit about the origin of this term? Like how far does it date back? Or does it come from so the it is, I was looking for the ayah. It's actually in Ali Imran. The, 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 it's used in this particular context. Oh, uh, in terms of its usage, I don't know if it precedes uh, Abimantinia. Okay. But uh, yeah, that I don't know about it the history of the term. In the modern era, it's definitely Salafi undertones. Yeah. Because I was saying that technically speaking, um, if we were to take this as uh, uh, not taking it literally to mean the communities, right? But even as we, if we think about all the context in the Quran around killing kafir or like, you know, they, they're having a certain stance towards the non-believers. Like if one thinks about it, like getting rid of a human does not get rid of the idea, mm -hmm. right? And so the call in the Quran is not to, let's say like 
kill people to kill their idea just because they are um, you know non-believing but the call is to kill the ideology and so in this sense like if it is like you know be loyal to your own and disavow it's probably like makes it makes good sense if it's like disavow the ideology like it has nothing to do with the person mm -hmm. right because people's ideologies change mm -hmm. um, and you don't kill ideologies by killing things mm -hmm. right so so it, it makes sense to me to disavow the idea but not the people i think uh, what you're also sharing is a maturity of thought that every generation kind of forgets that every generation goes through a process learning after the fact that killing the people does not kill the idea. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then our sort of whatever opposition is the ideology, not necessarily the people. Like, mm -hmm. And then so our work needs to counter sort of the predominant. Mm -hmm. um, today, it's I think it's atheism mm -hmm. for, for Muslims. It's not other religions. Mm -hmm. it's, mm -hmm. it's atheism. Yeah, I'd say atheism is one of the biggest, if not the biggest. Yeah. Okay. Any other thoughts? I'm going to suggest a, another thing while I pull this up. What else do we owe the community? This one is also going to be kind of counterintuitive, but probably won't surprise you that it is counterintuitive. Shala. I don't know if we've mentioned this yet, but just like not slandering others in the community and not speaking badly about the community, right? Like. Um, you know, generally speaking, and then also just individuals. Uh, this is, uh, ask uh, the undergrads here, what is the beginning of every single one of my Friday Bayans? One is I'm asking them, okay, what has changed? What has changed in your life? Do we have any undergrads, current or former loyal undergrads here? Uh, I don't know if it was back in the Adnan and Sorry days, but uh, what has changed in your life? And the second is control your tongue. And the point that they hear from me over and over again, is one, if you can't control your tongue, you can't control anything. And then number two, there is nothing, no poison, no spiritual poison that destroys a community as fast as slander and gossip, meaning physical other sins <coughs> have long-term consequences, but, but slander and gossip are immediately throwing a fire on, on a pile of gas. And absolutely, right? Quite the contrary, in fact, let's uh, let's pull that up first. Anybody remember from class days in the past? What is the second obligation? We did the first one in this class. What is this? Oh, let's do it. What's the first obligation we find in the Quran when we open up from page one? That should be the easiest thing. You all should be able to just spit it out. First command. Okay. So worship be the abd of your rub. Second command. Epic fail. Okay. Quran has taken my class for like 15 years. Okay, so so it's second command is do not knowingly make rivals to Allah. Uh, okay. Can you see my screen or do I need to share it again? So once again, first command. Be the abd of your rab. Ya ayyuhannas u'abudu rabbakum. Again, this is if I open up from page one. Second command, end of ayah 22. Fala taj'alu lillahi addadan wa antum ta'alamun. So do not knowingly make rivals to Allah. 
third command? Chorim, you want to redeem yourself? What do you got? What's the third command? Salah and Saka. Okay, the third command is I-25. 23 and 24 are conditional commands. If you have doubt, then produce a surah, and then when you realize you can't, then have taqwa. Give good news to those who believe and do right, that they will have gardens beneath which rivers flow. So many of you should know this from the Jazakallah circles. The Jazakallah circles we would do in class over and over again. May Allah reward you for such and such. Does anybody remember this from class? Khurram is just pretending to, he just feels too, too dejected. Okay. So this is sort of the reverse, Shala, of what you were saying. So yes, we should not only not gossip and slander, we should give each other good news. So like, for example, when I'm ending every single class, what do I always say? May Allah reward you. It's coming from this ayah. You know, that you already went through a whole, mashallah, wonderful class, and then may Allah reward you for it. So give good news to those who believe and do right, right deeds, that for them are gardens beneath which rivers flow. Every time they're given a fruit from there to eat, they will say, this is what we've been given before, and they will be given the likeness resembling it. And there shall be for them, here it says wives, others it will say spouses, purified, and they'll be there forever. So what is this command then making me do if it's telling me to tell those who believe and do right that they're going to have gardens? It's telling me to look for the good of what they're doing. My nafs, my baser self, is probably going to look for the wrong that people are doing. Whereas here, to fulfill this, I have to seek out the good of what people are doing. And that is a complete neural rewrite, so to speak, on how I interact with the community. I'm looking for the good of what they do. And then I'm also expressing reward. Jazakallah khair, or as we cool people say, jazaks, right? So <laughs> Danny's like, this, this just doesn't end, yeah. So somewhere in here there's like blessing and then we have to deal with the comedy. Okay, so, which is how the MSA feels. So, so the point here is, this is such a serious point that we can argue it's the third command when you start open up from page one. The command for Salah and Zakat does not come for 80 ayahs. That's how big of a point this is. So the first instruction, if we take the Quran, starting from page one, as though there's a deliberate layout, this is the point I made early on in the class many weeks ago. First command makes sense. Worship Allah, half of Tawheed. Second command makes sense. Don't worship anything else. The other half of Tawheed. But the third command is focus on community which if you follow my logic, then I think this is very, very profound. That we would probably think, just like Khurram was mentioning, Salah Zakah, which appears so many times in the Quran, would be all the way at the beginning. Or charity would be, you know, which is mentioned so many times and is so virtuous, would be much earlier. If we go with the argument that there is a, a, a discernible wisdom behind the structure, the layout of the Quran, which many people do not. Dania. Two questions. Um, what was the context of like the um, of this ayah in terms of like Wabashir? So like speaking to the prophet, I'm assuming. And like what was the context of that? And then the second thing is, I mean, 
الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات عملوا الصالحات seems kind of vague to me mm-hmm. um, so how is that how do we know this is directed to community so so we do see even so this is what Bashir so this is singular and so some translations will say prophet right you know oh prophet some will not and the argument for those who do not is that there are many times that the same translators when it's a singular will not say oh prophet like when the Quran says Qul, right and if we read this in relationship to those previous ayahs okay so first command plural all of you worship plural do not all of you do not knowingly set up rivals plural and then here it becomes intimate as though it's a command and instruction on each of us then it becomes emphasis now in terms of the history of the ayah that i have not been able to find anything this is part of this massive drop of al-Baqarah, which is about a month and a half, a year and a half after Hijra. There's a couple parts of al-Baqarah that came later and at different times, and a couple parts that came earlier. But the general mass of al-Baqarah is boom, about a year and a half, maybe 16 months after Hijra. Shaila. So what if the community is not like doing righteous deeds around you? So the point is you will find it. Done, done, done. Shell's like, not here. <laughs> okay. So go seek and like really look for the community that is doing righteous deeds. So a different way to frame it is as opposed to looking for this mass called the community doing things as a community project. Right. For those people who are doing it. That yeah. you're definitely gonna find. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And if that, if you can make that a practice, what will be the consequence? Oh, it looks like Dawood did get it. Give good news. Like, what would be the consequence if people see the good that you're doing and are saying, may Allah reward you or may Allah reward you with paradise? I think it's, when you're on the receiving end, I think that creates motivation. I think that um, acts as a very positive reminder. Because imagine, you know, you know, you put all this effort, and then the first thing someone says, yeah, there's like four mistakes. Yeah. Then you're going to hear, okay, you just failed miserably. But if instead you hear, mashallah, may Allah reward you for your efforts. And then in a different setting, depending on context, then you might be providing correction. And so this is changing, you know, it's like you're taking control from your nafs speaking and providing support and the language of support becomes negative criticism to actually seeking to give benefit. So the beneficiary is both the speaker as well as the recipient, inshallah. Any thoughts? Okay. Any other questions about this? Third command. Fourth command doesn't come until much later on. Fadlallah. Okay. So my question is kind of a little bit back from what we were talking about today. Um, 
And I was wondering your opinion on whether you notice the difference between how maybe other Muslim-majority countries um, view and care for their own versus like Western-focused or America-focused Muslim communities in the sense that have you noticed like individualism and capitalism really influencing how people are like, you know, viewing the ummah, taking care of the ummah, Because uh, except for brief stays elsewhere, uh, you know, my whole knowledge is basically Chicago. I can barely even tell you about cities outside of Chicagoland. Uh, I'd have to defer to someone who spent an extensive, uh, extensive amount of time in in other countries. Like there was a moment, Olfat, who mentioned, you know, she she grew up in Cairo and then now she's in Toronto. That <clears throat> out here in the so-called West, we are way more individualistic than, uh, for example, in Cairo. Uh, but the fundamental indicator I would suggest is what is the plight of orphans in any given country? And I mean, this is a conversation, maybe I've shared it with you all, but I have these divine conspiracy theories. So like, um, <coughs> me. so these are basically various theories about what could be Allah's will. And if you think about how much we have as our nation has destroyed the entire world, how much as our nation has devoured the entire world, all of those cataclysmic hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes have not hit us proportionally to the way they've hit other places. I mean, they've hit certain places. I mean, the flooding you know, just wipes out so much of Nebraska and such. Uh, but one of my theories is that uh, the likelihood of an orphan in America getting a home of some sort is way off the charts better than the vast majority of Muslim-majority countries. That in so many Muslim-majority countries, what is going to happen to you if you're an orphan? Uh, you might wind up in a madrasa, or you're probably going to uh, be pulled into sex trafficking. Uh, and who are the people that seem to in mass do the most adopting and foster caring i mean everybody does but all those people that drive us crazy as trump uh right-wing evangelicals they really uh, i'm speaking anecdotally not with numbers they really tend to be super hardcore about taking kids in and the foundation is is there but even then in terms of capacity uh i don't know how much they have right I mean, AD Foundation almost gives us, you know, a way, a reason to hold our head up. You know, this is a, this is in Pakistan, but I mean, the sheer amount of individual families in Middle America in the Rust Belt taking in kids, and whatever their intentions are, their intentions might be to convert them to Christianity. The fact is, they're taking in these kids uh, with all kinds of levels of trauma. Uh, could be a reason why America has not, you know been subjected to the wrath of nature a point to think about a point to reflect upon 
Marwa is asking, Dr. Marwa is asking, why is that the case in Muslim-majority countries? I mean, it's very easy for us to blame everything on colonization, and I would say that's 50% valid, uh, the complete rewriting and restructuring of all these societies. And part of it is the post-colonial period of you know dictatorships, monarchies, and et cetera, taking over these countries, basically making them easy for people to loot. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, you can also say the massive brain drain that's happened. So when visa laws changed and you had this giant influx of South Asians, including my family, come to the United States, I think it's fair to uh, regard that as a brain drain, for example, in places like Pakistan and such. Um, but ultimately, this is a global responsibility. You know, even the difficulty of finding people for Afghan kids here in America um, is very difficult. Horam. So uh, going back to the point, uh, uh, I, I believe uh, Asim was talking about that to select uh, uh, a candidate who's not Islamophobe, right? And uh, But he may be eventually uh, have some role in policies which are the foreign policies and which end up like means drone attacks and this and that, mostly like on, the, on, the, on, on the, uh, that sort of uh, campaigns where like, uh, you know, uh, you know what I mean? Like uh, it will end up like damaging the other countries or make them countries infrastructure or like uh, more harsh to, to bear or to live economic sanctions and that sort of things, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this I- is... Yeah. So means uh, what I'm trying to say that uh, so there is a bigger picture and there is a local picture means our efforts uh, uh, are will uh, we may see the result of our efforts, um, but there are so many things that we may not see the results of our efforts, mm-hmm. which oh, no, may no. have other consequences. With uh, that's I mean that's the game of politics, right? That uh, you are the loyalties in politics change, you know, like the wind, depending upon whatever the resources and all those things are coming. Uh, I should also say that, you know, I I mentioned that most funding goes to, most donations go to building masjids, and then most funding goes to relief, but I think a rising number is political donations. But what is often at the bottom would be every other type of of organization, whether we're talking about madrasas, seminaries, anything knowledge production related, uh, you know, thought well related. Uh, um, I mean, CARE Chicago struggles in terms of getting donations. And so, uh, I mean, those of you can answer that better than me, but the point is that um, a lot of it seems to me to be expressions of uh, we are here. Like if we're talking about how we spend our money, it's we are here physically, but we're not actually here is is part of you know this society except when it is convenient for us to be considered part of the society like after 9 11. right shala so this made me think about um the, uh, there's i think there's an ayah that says about like taking care of your family first right and then what there's an, i don't know what comes there's, there's that. number but yeah yeah i mean there's an order of priority definitely yeah so like it seems like you said, like we're kind of like bypassing like our local community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're thinking about just overseas and certainly that's important too, but um, yeah, we're caring about our family and then 
skipping the local community and then caring about overseas. Mm -hmm. I, I, I do see that. Yeah. I see myself doing that. It's, it's, a, it's an easy thing to be very concerned about, right? Uh, so I'm not saying this as criticism. I'm saying this as an assessment, right? And, and a point for all of us to, to concern in terms of where are we on, on the map of all these things. Any other thoughts, reflections, questions? So, <coughs> yeah, Charlotte. I wanted to circle back at some point, it doesn't have to be tonight, to um, like reflection to the day when we were speaking about making dua and having our prayers answered. Yeah, go for um, it. Because I did, well, okay, sure, now. <laughs> okay, so um, I was reflecting a lot in the middle of the night on like dua and, you know, kind of these prayers that we were speaking about and how we felt that they were being answered. And basically what I was thinking was that perhaps, you know, so our destiny is predetermined and all of the blessings have already been given to us. And, you know, when we ask for these things, um, basically the blessings are always flowing from, from Allah yeah. and the true blessings are actually, the true blessing is not what we get, you know, when we ask for something, right? So like you were asking for the light not to turn red right? Or I was asking to wake up for prayer. Um, so that's not the true blessing. The true blessing is that Allah has inspired us to ask mm -hmm. the, the dua, right? So I don't think necessarily that we are influencing Allah, but rather we're making ourselves um, in harmony with what Allah wants for us. Mm -hmm. Or does that make sense? Like, yeah. um, and so like, perhaps, you know, we don't even like, you know, the one time you, um, the light did turn red, you didn't make dua. It was perhaps because, you know, Allah had not, or an angel or something like had not inspired you to make the dua because it wasn't going to happen. Right. And so we're asking for things that are going to happen because like an angel is sent to us and making us closer to Allah by the fact that we're just making dua. Right. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So yeah, I would, uh, I'm hearing a couple points in there. So one is you're drawing attention to the blessing not being whatever manifests, but the blessing being the fact that I made the request, which then means if we take it further, the blessings that Allah gave me the intention, gave me the, you know, the, the will to, to ask totally. So yeah. that I would say is one level, hundred percent true, but I don't think that negates the other side of it that, uh, um, um, that that a blessing is the fact that I got a yellow light or the blessing is, you know, that the person got the job. That is also just in a different dimension. Or different oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, those yeah. are all blessings, right? But it's basically we're becoming aware of them. So like, do we all ask Allah to please make my heart beat every second, mm -hmm. right? Huh? We don't, we don't, right? We take that for granted, but that blessing is there, right? Um, and so, you know, the highest level would be to always be in gratitude, right? Gratitude and asking for, you know, all the blessings that, that are laid out in front of us. And basically it's making us aware of these blessings that they're, that they're here. And in the case where our blessing does not, or our, our prayer does not seem to be answered, like, you know, our faith can be increased further by saying, well, it's either not Allah's will or perhaps in the future, right? So it's not like we would become disappointed because our prayer wasn't evidently answered. 
So <laughs> the state you're describing, it seems to be akin to Rida, where you are in this contentment with whatever Allah gives you. So, uh, to make this even more fun, so you also made the point about everything being written, everything being destined. So there's also a, a school of thought where you're basically saying everything is written, what's going to happen is written. But what is also written is that at this point, you're going to make a dua, which is then going to change everything that's written and that is also written. So that gets like that uh, Matt Damon movie, whatever that is, Adjustment Bureau. Any other questions, thoughts, reflections? So yeah, no, thank you for that. All righty. We have one last ayah for tomorrow, inshallah, and then we will do review of all that we have covered in this mushal of very high speed moving month. Are we done with this ayah? Uh, do you want to add anything? You're welcome to. Um, what are, did we ever really define what Rabitu means? Oh, so, well, Rabitu, I was basically saying, uh, be ready for action or protect the community. What's this action we're supposed to be ready for? Like to protect the community. Okay, so like, same thing. Yeah, basically, and that's why I read it. Did you have any other thoughts? Sure. I need a little time to process okay. this. Okay. Uh, we did not talk about falah, victory, which we can go back and talk about as well. I think that was a question that Asim had raised. <laughs> okay. Anything else? Yesterday we had a senior send off and a microphone, and I had to shout very loudly in the microphone and so my voice is gone. And then we had today an anti-war demonstration, which I didn't participate in because my voice was gone. So we'll see what happens. All righty. No other questions, thoughts, reflections? Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa atta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa atta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa atta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. May Allah tell the word you are, inshallah. And we will see you, inshallah, tomorrow. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.